0: With a mistake that's often made concerning sin and its consequences, here's
1: Pastor Ed Taylor. I'm here to tell you that if you continue to live in sin, don't mistake the mercy and the grace and the patience of God as approval, because it's not. His patience is for your salvation, giving you time to repent. Here's the problem. The problem is because... We aren't experiencing this wrath or the judgment or the consequences in our sin. You know what we do? Our hearts become harder and we just continue on.
0: This is amazing
1: grace.
0: But William Blake famously said, the fool who persists in his folly will become wise. Meaning that sooner or later, he will learn wisdom the hard way by experiencing the inescapable consequences of his folly. But there's an easier way to learn. And we'll hear about it today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're so glad you've joined us as we turn back to Romans. Last time we began to explore what Romans 1 says about the consequences of sin. We're given that warning to save us a lot of pain and heartache, now and in the future. And we see this truth not only in Romans, but
1: also in Psalm 40. We join Pastor Ed there now at verse 2. He established my steps. Paul would tell the Ephesian believers that we wandered around according to the darkness of this world. That's all, we just had an aimless wandering. But in Jesus Christ, now he's established our steps. Things begin to make sense now, don't they? You begin to see things for what they are. You begin to make decisions based on the way God sees things and not the confusion of this world. You begin to see things and temptations for what they are, and now you can avoid them. Why? Because God, he's established your steps. Not only that, verse 3, he's put a new song in my mouth. I guarantee you there are people in this room that don't like to sing. I'm sure that singing is not your deal. Not even in the shower, you're not a singer. Sing is not high on your list of things to do. But in Jesus Christ, he's actually put a song in your heart and you sing. How does that work? The Holy Spirit, he gives us a new song. And how can we not sing these wonderful, glorious praises unto our God to remind us of who he is and who we are. And as we sing, we're just reminded that God is faithful, no matter what's going on. And God's put that song in our hearts. It's not something we can manufacture or conjure up and we'll work it really hard if you just really want to sing. I'll tell you what: as you just lay yourself in the hands of your savior and you begin to think about how much he's done in your life and how faithful he is in your life. You'll sing. You'll belt it out. You'll go for it. You'll be on the way to work in the morning and people will be looking at you like, what's your deal? And when they do that, just roll down your window and tell them, Jesus loves you too. It's a witnessing opportunity. We're all worried about what people think about us, huh? You know, we want to get tinted windows so nobody can see. Let people see. Shine your light. Let the Lord use you and sing the song that he's put in your mouth. Sing it. Let go. Praise to our God. Many will see it. See, he said, many is going to see it. And fear. And we'll trust in the Lord. Look at verse four. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside the lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done. And your thoughts, which are toward us, cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. So you remember how bad it was? I mean, the good news is really good compared to how bad it could have been. You could still be in the pit today. You could be absolutely destroyed. You could be done. It could be over. You could be a statistic. You could be a blip on someone's radar screen, but you're not. You're here loving and serving the Lord. Everybody needs a Savior, and God has provided a Savior for everybody. That's the good news, that he can do a work in your life today. We shouldn't be afraid of sharing the gospel with boldness to people and laying before them their need of salvation. Paul doesn't have any problem doing it, the wrath of God. I mean, those are heavy words, but it's the truth. And isn't it a true friend that will tell you the truth? I want friends that will tell me what I need to hear. I think a true friend is someone that can speak the truth in love. Now, as we study through these sections in the coming weeks, Paul is going to be taking us on a journey demonstrating our need for salvation. The first group of people he addresses, you could call the pagans or the truly lost people. The people you would come to and say, I don't care, I don't believe in God, I don't want anything to do with God, I've got my own gods, I've got my own religion, leave me alone. Well, Paul address that type of person. He'll move from that type of person then to the next one is the moral person. Remember, we've talked a lot about the people that say I'm a good person. Well, he'll address that. There's nothing wrong with being a good person, but when is good, good enough? You need the righteousness of God to enter into heaven. And so he's going to address those that would say, but I understand my need for salvation, but I'm a good person, so it doesn't apply to me. Paul will say it does apply to you too. He moves from the pagan person or the utterly lost to the moral person. The next person he'll address, and when we get there in our studies, I'll identify him for you. The next person he addresses is the religious person. This is a person that has an outward show of religion, but no inward connection. And they fall back on their traditions and they fall back on their rituals instead of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul's gonna say, you know what? You need Jesus too. And then the final group is a pretty broad group. It's everyone. In chapter three of Romans, Paul will conclude everyone is lost and in need of a savior. And he'll walk through and address each one of those people. But for now, Notice the word wrath in verse 18. The Greek word there is orge. And it literally means God's settled determination against sin because God is settled against sin. God does not approve of sin. God does not condone sin. God does never place his hand of approval on sin. God is completely good and God is completely holy. Therefore, he cannot tolerate any kind of sin. Last week, we looked at Habakkuk. I want you to turn there again, Habakkuk chapter one. Remember, it's in that section there. It's called the minor prophets. We've got the major prophets and the minor prophets. It's not a, the major prophets are more important than the minor prophets. They just use those words to describe the major prophets are the larger books and the minor prophets are the smaller books. So right in the middle of your Bible, remember Psalms and Proverbs, the major prophets are right to the right. And then, that's like Ezekiel, Daniel, and Jeremiah. And then you go to Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. So it's Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Let me get there with you. Chapter one, verse 13. God is completely good. Therefore, he cannot tolerate any kind of sin. And Habakkuk says so in verse 13. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. But wait a minute, Pastor Ed, I thought God was a God of love. I mean, I I thought God was a God of love and he is. That's God's very essence and nature. But remember, you can jot it down in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We have a demonstration of what love looks like from God's perspective. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, I'll read it to you. It says this, that love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And so it's perfectly consistent with the nature of God to both love and avoid sin. To both show love and not approve of sin. And so with sin, God doesn't just wink at it or ignore it. It's like, well, you know, sometimes those of you that are raising kids, you know, and they're, oh, they're just kids. They're going to do that. Or boys will be boys. You know, I know they, I know my son just threw my, his brother into the wall or through the wall, but boys will be boys. No way. If your kids are throwing each other through the wall, it's discipline time, right? You're not just going to leave a hole there. Well, we needed a window there anyway. Behind the couch? What are you talking about? There's discipline. As parents, we recognize it's not just boys will be boys. There are times when discipline is necessary. And although we don't stop loving our children, we want to teach them. Throwing your brother through the wall is not a good idea, right? Or whatever else our kids might be doing. Think of Jesus for a moment, a sinless, perfect man dying a horrific death. Because that's the essence of the gospel. Why would he do that? He experienced the wrath of God being poured upon him so that you and I would not have to. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Listen. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so Paul says in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed. A better way of translating the tense of the word revealed is this, that the wrath of God is being continuously revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. It's just not possible to break God's laws and get away with it. And I think some would say, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, I hear you, but that's not the way it looks. I mean, the way it looks is I know a lot of people that don't love God, that don't care about God, that are getting away with everything. But the Bible says it's not possible to break God's laws and get away with it. You can look at someone, maybe your neighbor, and go, well, look at her. Look at the way she lives. And look at how it seems that she's experiencing the blessings of God. Or look at him. He hates God and doesn't have any problem saying so. But it never seems like he faces any judgment. Listen, you do not break God's laws. But rather, you are broken by them when you live counter to them. It's like, well, I'm a lawbreaker. Well, all it really requires is being born. And you're born into sin. Really, the laws of God will break you. As you come against them, they will crush you. If you violate the will of God, it'll take its toll. If you know what is right and you continue to do what is wrong, we'll pay a price for that. If you sow to the flesh, the Bible says you'll reap corruption. The only way I can illustrate this is to have you use your imagination, thinking of the appointments that I have all week, of the families and the lives that I minister to, and the pastoral staff minister to, and really many of you minister to, that are paying the price for their sinful decisions. Week after week, family after family, life after life, we try to rush in and help them pick up the pieces, because somewhere back Along the way, they decided that God's will wasn't what they wanted for their lives and they willingly lived a life contrary to the laws of God and now they're finding that the laws of God are actually breaking them. And the only way that you're gonna be able to develop that heart is to begin and involved in people's lives as the family of God and looking at what it is in helping someone restore and repair what the enemy wanted to destroy. You see, if you're a believer, If you are a man or a woman that calls upon the name of Jesus Christ and you are living an unrighteous or an ungodly life, today's the day to repent. God will not let you get away with it. Now, I know your immediate response will be, now, wait a minute. I've gotten away with it for a long time, Pastor Ed. I mean, I'm able to play it really well. I've got a good life when I'm at church and when I'm not in church, I'm doing just fine. I mean, I'm beginning to think that God actually approves of what I'm doing. You know, I don't see anywhere in scripture that says I can't do such and such and on and on that list goes. I hear it all the time. And I'm here to tell you that if you continue to live in sin, don't mistake the mercy and the grace and the patience of God as approval, because it's not. His patience is for your salvation, giving you time to repent. Here's the problem. The problem is because we aren't experiencing this wrath or the judgment or the consequences in our sin, you know what we do? Our hearts become harder and we just continue on. It happens to all of us. I want you to see this. Would you flip back to Ecclesiastes chapter eight? I beg you. I beg you, leave ungodliness and unrighteousness behind. You see, it really is the balance from our study last week, isn't it? The balance is, hey, the just shall live by faith, but your faith will change you. Your faith will produce good works in your life. Your faith will change your heart. And instead of seeing all that you do with God as a burden, it's no longer a burden, but a joy. But don't think that the grace of God is giving you permission to live ungodly. You know what ungodly means? ungodly means living life like there is no god that's what it means so when i live an ungodly life or i have ungodliness in my life i'm simply saying you know what god you're not even there you don't even see it and here's the thing because other people don't see it we falsely conclude that god doesn't see it but guys he does his eyes are seeing everything both outwardly and inwardly he is. Some of you are really feeling the heavy right now. You know why? Because God's eyes are examining you. God's eyes are coming by the power of his spirit and saying, this is what your pastor's saying right here. It's in, this is it in your life. Th- this is it. This is why you're here. So there might be surfaced and skimmed off the top. That's what ungodliness is, is living without God. You know what unrighteousness is? It's simply this. Knowing how to do right, knowing what is right, and choosing to do wrong. Living unrighteously. It's that simple. I know it's right to do this, but I choose to do the opposite. Can Christians fall into that? You bet. Can Christians fall into that pattern? Oh, yes. Is there deliverance for you? Yes. Yes, there is. That's the good news. But the problem is, is that we think we're getting away with it so much that our hearts get hard. Look at Ecclesiastes here, chapter 8, verse 11. This is one of those verses you need to mark. It's a life-changing verse it absolutely will change your perspective on sin for the rest of your Christian life. Look at this, verse 11, chapter eight. Mark it in your Bibles and let the Bible mark you. Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. It's deceiving, isn't it? So I'm getting away with it, I'm getting away with it, I'm getting away with it, but it's a lie. You're not getting away with it. It's all deception. You're living in a false world right now. You're not getting away with anything. The world's very deceiving. Satan is very cunning. Our ability to justify our behavior is very strong. And when God pinpoints areas in your life and he asks for repentance, he means it. Just because it hasn't come quickly doesn't mean that God doesn't care. Just because he's shown you mercy and grace and patience and long-suffering doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to repent when you live in this world apart from God what appears to be reality isn't really reality at all it's a falsehood and that's why we have to decide to live our lives by God's word not just by what we see or feel well you know I'll repent when I feel the heaviness of conviction well no why don't you just repent because God says it's a sin and it's not good for you well I'll repent when it destroys my marriage what Why don't you repent right now and let God rescue your marriage? Well, I'll repent right before my kids graduate. What? Why why are you going to ready to lose your kids because you're not willing to repent? You don't have to see the destruction of sin in order to understand that when God says sin will destroy you, all you need to do is believe Him and trust Him. I don't want you to see the results of sin. I don't want you to have to walk down that path. I don't want you to see what can happen when you live a life of unrestrained, ungodliness and unrighteousness. Which is why when we go through the scriptures here at Calvary, you're going to get the truth. Because I think to be the best pastor that I can be, to be the best friend that I can be, to be the best fellow believer that I can be, I need to tell you the truth about every area of your life. And give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to stir in your heart, to waken your heart, to quicken your heart, to holy and righteous living. The grace of God is not an excuse to live an unrighteous life. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite is taught in the scriptures. Would you turn to Titus with me? Titus chapter two. Titus is to the right, toward the end of the Bible. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared, the Bible says, It's to motivate us to holy living, to righteous living. Look at Titus chapter two, verse 11. And I know that not only are you hearing it here in the sanctuary, but there'll be people listening in on the radio and they might be squirming, you know, at the message. And they're, they might be having someone with a CD and, and somebody with an MP3, they're clicking in on the radio right now or on the internet. And they're wondering, man, this is some heavy stuff. But listen, guys, we live in a heavy-duty world, a world where the enemy wants to destroy you, wants to take your own weaknesses. And you know what I found? Just when I think I'm strong in one area, the enemy will hit me right there. And show me how I'm not strong. I am. My strength has to be in the Lord. Amen? Your strength has to be in the Lord, that he would cover all the bases all around you. Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. So what does it teach us? That denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Verse 14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works, speak these things exhort rebuke with all authority and let no one despise you but the problem back in romans now chapter one is is that if we're not careful we'll suppress this truth notice at the end of verse 18 this group of people that the wrath of god is coming upon speaking primarily to the unbeliever but i've seen believers do the same thing they suppress the truth that word literally means to press down to push away we get the picture from the original language, from the Greek, we get the picture of a helmsman at the helm of his boat, and the current wants to take his boat in one direction, but the captain says, no, I don't want to go that direction, and he holds down firmly the rudder and says, I don't want to go that way. And I've seen so many people hear the word of God, receive the blessings of God, and still live their lives holding the rudder down, saying, no, I'm not going to go that way. And I'll tell you guys, you'll pay the price every time. You'll pay it every time. Suppressing the truth will not help you. Denying the truth will not help you. These men knew the truth about God and didn't allow this truth to work in their lives. They suppressed it in order that they might live their own lives and not be convicted by the truths of God. And I know you guys, been with you for so many years. Your heart is to hear from the heart of God. But don't think for a moment that that inkling that you have sometimes to suppress the truth won't continue to plague you. You I heard what he said, but I don't like what he said. So I'm not going to listen to what he said. It's all Ed's fault, but it's not. It's not. Just think past me. You Sometimes we destroy the messenger for what the message was, right? Don't destroy the messenger. Receive the message. Receive the message that God, he loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son so that the wrath that was laying upon your life might be removed. That Jesus, he became sin for you so that you wouldn't have to experience the judgment of God. And Christians, don't think for a moment that God approves of any sin in your life in any way, in any form, and any fashion. God doesn't like sin. He doesn't look upon sin. And there won't be an opportunity for us to plead ignorance. None of us. We all know. And may God deliver us from unrighteousness and ungodliness. The warning of wrath to come, God's judgment to come has been shared today. So then the question becomes, how will you respond? If we were to take the microphone through the sanctuary here today and say, here you are, the warning has come. There's a way out. Judgment is coming The wrath of God is coming. Will you take the way out? How will you answer? Will you say something like, hey, I don't believe you. I think you are too heavy. I don't believe there's going to be destruction. I can handle this. It's not that big a deal. Or will you just simply fall at the cross of Jesus Christ and say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Pastor Ed
0: Taylor ending today's Abounding Grace with the reassuring truth that forgiveness is available to you. You just need to ask for it. We've been in Romans today, and thanks for studying along with us. And if you missed any portion of today's message, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceradio.com. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. That, too, is available when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed super easy on your mobile devices. Download the free app today by searching for Calvary Church Aurora. Maybe you've noticed God has always been interested in turning unlikely people into a faithful follower, from prostitutes to tax collectors and even normal everyday fishermen. In the book, Jesus Revolution, Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn recall a time when there was a great spiritual awakening. God transformed an unlikely generation, and Pastor Greg and Ellen believe God can do it again. We'd like to send you a copy of Jesus Revolution for your gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call 877-30-GRACE and we can process your order right away. That's 877-30-GRACE. Here at Abounding Grace, we're continually reminded that God is doing a great work through the radio. I wish you could see all the letters and the emails and calls that we receive testifying of that. If you'd like to help us in our endeavor to get the word out all over the world, please visit AboundingGraceradio.com. Simply click on donate and you can make a secure donation today. We'll return to Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing great.